This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. This episode is sponsored by Carnivore Cure. Carnivore Cure is a book, a work in progress plant database, and in the future, an intense group program. Carnivore Cure is meat based nutrition and the ultimate elimination diet. The Carnivore Cure book helps to break down science and provides a step by step elimination diet protocol. It also provides extensive nutritional information and support for a meat based diet. Carnivore Cure is rooted in evidence based nutrition with over 600 citations and over 250 colored graphics and tables. If you need assurance that a meat based diet is ideal, or if you need more in depth support to guide you, then this book is for you. The colored informationals and nutrition facts will make this book a reference for years to come. Make sure to get your copy on Amazon or at www.carnivorecure.com. Thanks for listening, and let's get back to the show. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's, it's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're Jumping from diet to diet. At a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, <laughs> get some vitamin D, breathe yeah. some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I'm very excited today to be joined with my co host, Judy Cho. Today's episode is going to be a little different. I want to make sure that those of you who are joining us and just meeting us get to know each of us individually. And so I have the pleasure of interviewing Judy. We're going to talk about her background, her experience, a lot about her life and her personal journey, how she found carnivore, and really just take a deep dive into her and why she's eating meat. And how she's found her passion to be in this lifestyle. So, Judy, thanks so much for joining. I'm definitely nervous because I'm like, I don't know what you're going to ask me. And I know as a friend, you're going to probably ask me things that have never been asked, but excited and anxious. I know we both have kind of shared our stories a little bit. And so、um, it's interesting to try to ask some different questions. So, we're going we're gonna to go back to your childhood, Judy. And I want you to talk about, we're going to break up this into decades. Okay. So,、uh, bear with me here. But I want you to talk with us a little bit about your, like, 
what was it like for you as a kid? Like who is Judy as a kid? And what was that like for you? Like before puberty, let's say. So interesting. No one has ever asked me this. Um, So I grew up in, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, California, and, you know, lived in suburban Los Angeles, um, like 20 miles west of the, I guess, the suburban city west of downtown Los Angeles. And, um, you know, I had an older brother and my parents were working class. Um, You know, we didn't really ever struggle for anything. And I think I was just a happy, um, always kind of giving kid. Like my mom and dad told me that ever since I was little, if my uncles and aunts would come over, I would get our Ziploc bags and like put all our best snacks in and then I'd give it away when they're <laughs> leaving. And so my mom thinks that like what I'm doing now is very fitting for my personality. So um, I think I've always been like a giving kind of person. Um, yeah, I think that that's what I can think of. It's just I've always had a lot of friends. And then I think when puberty hit, like I kind of gained a little bit of weight. And that's where like some of the insecurities started popping up. But in general, yeah, I would say just happy, typical uh, suburban life in Los Angeles. That's good. And so living in Los Angeles, my guess is your family had somewhat of a focus on like the quote unquote healthier food or what was food like? Do you remember back as a kid? (laughs) So my parents immigrated to the States in the late 70s. And then they had me and my brother here. They didn't know a lot about America. And they came here just like a lot of different um, ethnicities to have a better life. So they thought as long as I go there, work hard, I can make a lot of money or, you know, just provide for my family. And they did. So they did work hard. They did make good money. Um, but they didn't know anything about nutrition. So they didn't have the option of, oh, well, I'm just going to eat beef or I'm going to eat this and that when they were growing up. It was more like what. So my mom had like seven siblings. And so for them, like, um, poverty was, you know, very in their life. And so when they came here, um, I don't know, like, if they made decisions based on economics, but I know that we would have Korean food and like the typical Korean foods. And so bone broth was actually a part of that. So that's why I know how to make bone broth. Um, But then they would give us like TV dinners, and they thought, you know, like, perfect food. (laughs) You microwave that and there's all your food groups are in that. Um, And I thought that was very normal. So I didn't have anything else. And we thought that was very normal. We never thought it was unhealthy. Um, So we always had chips in the house. We always had junk food. But I never had any disordered eating with it. I just know that probably my waist was growing a little bit more than I wanted to. But in general, we I think ate the standard American diet without any kind of rules. My parents were always saying like, don't eat you know, excess sugar, that type of thing, or excess junk food, but it was everything was in moderation. That makes sense. I think that's pretty typical for a lot of people. Um, So then teen years, puberty happens, you know, young adulthood, what was that time like for you? Yeah, so when I was 12 and 13, I actually was kind of uh, rebellious. (laughs) So I did a lot of bad things in my past. Uh, Or like, you know, I was not the best daughter to my parents, for sure. So you know, I've even like, ran away or like got in trouble at school, like things like that. It's kind of crazy if I think about it. But um, one thing was that I noticed in middle school, I started gaining weight. So the you know, the foods I was eating for my brother, he never gained weight. But for me, I started to and I remember distinctly one of my uncles saw me after not seeing me, I guess when I went through puberty. And he was like, Whoa, are you just sitting at home eating everything? And that's when I was like, I, I think I was so naive. I didn't even realize I was gaining weight. I don't even know. But I remember that struck, um, stuck. And then after that, that's when I noticed that I was like bigger than my other kind of, especially my Asian friends who are five foot, like 80 pounds or 90 pounds or whatever the weight is at that height. But 
um, I just noticed that I'm bigger than everyone and I'm closer to 5'8". And so that's when I started thinking, okay, I need a diet, but I never knew how to diet because no one in my family dieted. And so I would just try to eat less. Yeah, I don't even know what that entailed, but I just remember it never worked because I never lost weight. And then it was still fun, but I do remember starting to get more aware of my weight and trying to fit in. And the biggest thing I remember is I was always popular. Um, and I know that sounds so smug, but, you know, I was always I always had a lot of friends, but uh, my Asian guy friends were small. <laughs> um, and so I was like the big one. So I was like everyone's buddy, but like no one wanted to date me or at least within the Asian crowd. And so that built on my insecurity. So as much as I was popular I felt this insecurity with guys like, oh, all of my friends are having their first kiss. And like, what's wrong with me? Right? Like, is it because I'm bigger? And so there was always this like growing kind of insecurity that started really growing in me. Um, Yeah. And then it just became a full blown out eating disorder in college. And I know, too, that's something you've really talked about and you're really open about. I think that openness has helped a lot of people. Um as you talked about it. Yeah. I don't know how much you want to get into it now too uh, and what you're comfortable about, but I know that at some point you hit, you hit a low point. So you can take us through part of that if you want to, or just talk to us like, what was the moment when something had to change or you knew that there was time, like kind of what what was your low point during that? Recently I was asked like, when did it all start? And I don't even know, like it's such a blur. Um, But I do know in college, I started eating more plant-based and then I became probably close either it was right after college or it was like my senior year. I can't really remember, but it was then I became fully plant-based and occasional fish. But I started really struggling with mental health, especially when I would binge and then, you know, get hard on yourself and that whole cycle of shame and then uh, being angry at yourself for not being strong enough. And then I started just secluding myself a lot. So the popular duty of high school and junior high, all of a sudden in college, I barely had friends by the end, right? So I had my only the friends that I kind of came up in school and then the ones that I made there, but everyone else, like, I feel like I didn't really have a college life because of my eating disorder. And I lived with it. And then my consulting job just made it worse because I could basically hide from it, right? So if I'm traveling, or if I'm not traveling, I could tell everyone I'm traveling. But really, it's because I'm hiding myself because I went through a cycle of binging and purging. Um, I struggled with it for so, so long. And it was so hard. And I couldn't ever give it up because I refused to ever gain weight. And yeah, I mean, to this day, my brother asked me a long time ago when I was uh, really struggling, like, would you rather die or be thin? And I said, I'd rather be thin, you know, or I'd, I'm saying that wrong. But um And I never I knew it was wrong, but I didn't care. Um, And so basically, when I got married, and then I had my son, and then everything just hit the wall, where my parents didn't even know, or my husband didn't even know, like, I remember, and I don't think I've ever talked about this. Why do I always get weepy eyed? But I remember, I barely like I lost my memory because I was taking um, antibiotics for mastitis. And then my husband, like, although I don't remember two weeks of my life, I remember him next to the trash can and he was going through all these papers and then ask and then like crying and I my husband never cries and I just remember like I think they were scared that the real me would never come back and I I and that's a blip of memory and the next memory I have is I'm in the hospital so I don't remember but it just came to a point where like even having to cry about why did I stop nursing my son? Where is he? Why am I in this hospital? And then with really scary people that like in the middle of the night, like they'll scream in the middle of the night. And I'm just like, I don't get why I'm here. And I was like, it's not worth it anymore. So 
that's when I was like, I'm going to try to get better. And it wasn't easy, right? So there were days and months that I would be sober, and then I'd fall back into it. And I'd promise my husband, I'd do all these things, and I'd still fall. So at a certain point, it just, you hit a point. And for me, it was my kids. Like, I didn't want to not be around again for my kids. And then having my second and being so scared that would happen, I just didn't want that to happen again. So yeah, I think when you find your why um, and really a reason to want for better than just to be thin, you'll start fighting back. Yeah, thank you. I know that, you know, we've we've talked about that some, but I know that that a lot of that moment and that has shaped kind of who you are in your relationship yeah. with nursing your second son and kind of why you're sharing your story and why you're so passionate about this um, because of the things that you've been through. And so, you know, through that difficult time, you found carnivore. And so talk to us about kind of how you found that or what, how did carnivore or this way of eating bring you out of that really hard place that you were in? I tried keto for a while. I've done the eating disorder intensive therapies where you're there for like 10 hours and you eat every single meal in there and you have to talk about your feelings after mindful eating. I mean, everything under the sun about eating disorders, cognitive behavioral therapy, and even with my psychology background. And I practiced every single thing. I was like the best student. So afterward, um, on the weekends, I would write copious notes, like, how do I, where's my hunger level right now? And then I would do that again after our meal. And this is when I was still plant-based and I was good for a while and then I'd fall. And I just, I just always thought it was me. Like something is wrong with me. I just can't get over this disease. And then eventually I found keto. I went through a really horrible keto flu, which that's why I think I was really pre-diabetic. But during keto, I noticed that the sweeteners on good days would help me get through most. But then on bad days, is it was what was getting me back to going to binging. And so I kept seeing online that people are doing this crazy thing called carnivore. And I wasn't even really eating meat then. And so I told my husband about it. He thought it was so crazy. But I had this really important two-week period in my life. And I just said to Kevin, I was like, I am just going to try it because I cannot risk binging again and falling down when I cannot do that. Because I normally turn to food when I'm stressed, right? Celebration, stress, emotions, whatever. And so during that time, I knew I'd be emotional. And so I just said, so anyways, I just tried carnivore. um, And it wasn't easy. Like the first two weeks, I I was honestly just going to do it for two weeks. And I noticed, oh my gosh, I can eat more than I used to on keto. I feel good. Um, I'm not really gaining weight. And um, I don't have the desire to binge. And so I just kind of stuck to it. But the first year was not easy because, I mean, I was still, I mean, eating certain sweetener foods. And um, and then I think just during the holidays, it was like, oh, what's so wrong with eating a keto dessert, right? Like have balance. And I totally fell off. And so I think every time I touch sweet foods or foods that trigger me, it's not the same with like my body's hungry, so I need to eat it. But there's still that something goes off in my brain of like, well, now that you're eating it, let's just eat everything you want to eat, right? Yeah. Um, so that goes off. And every time if I've ever caved into it, I feel so horrible. And the fact that I'm so busy now, like it's just not worth it. And then with my kids and just it's just not worth it at this point, no matter what it is. And so carnivore just works for me. I mean, if I want to have some plants, if my kids are uh, uh, like Kevin and the kids are eating some artichoke or some broccoli, I used to say no for the first two years. And now like maybe I'll have like one little small bite. 
but it doesn't do anything for me. Um, but I'm not going to eat the fruits and the sweeteners because I know where that leads me. And so maybe one day I will, but for now, like this really works. Um, I am, I feel like I'm living my life finally after over 12 plus years of not being able to. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that being able to feel that freedom and not, and separate yourself from that and to be food sober for so long is a huge win and shows how much, how far you've grown and how far you've come. Um, and I know you worked a pretty corporate job before now, and now your full-time job is nutrition with Judy and writing, literally writing a book. Um, how did that transition happen where you, you know, you went from corporate world, all that to now jumping full, both feet, you know, full on into carnivore as your full-time occupation? Yeah, so I actually was on um, short-term disability because of what happened with my whole loss of memory and all that. And so um, during that time, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I always thought I was going to go back to consulting. I was a manager. I was making really good money. Um, I was, you know, we had access to everything, right? So travel, uh, wherever, like going locations, foods, all of that. But when I got sick, you know, we had to write an email to my work saying like, Judy's not mentally there, right? But we couldn't tell them that because we were afraid I'd lose my job. Um, because my job, you basically, my skill set is my brain, right? So I, we just said like she got really sick and um, postpartum depression, and she's in the hospital. So I got the leave, and then I think during my leaves, I just started getting really into nutrition, studying it, and then I decided like I just. I really, really was passionate. I think I'm just kind of nerdy like that, where I need to know all the information. I can't just go, okay, carnivore is good for this, 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 but I wanted to know more. And so I asked Kevin, like, would it be okay if I went back to school? Because I don't know what I'll do with it, but I just really want to learn the basics and I'm not working. So, and I want something else to do. And so that's why I went back not to really do anything about it. And then I just started sharing because honestly, I felt a little bit of that postpartum depression. Like I got to do more than just watch a baby. And so I think that's why I started sharing online. Initially, it was just like, okay, this will keep me accountable. But over time, it just became like, oh, I want to share what I'm learning because I hope I can help other people. And then it just kind of grew. And then it, we really considered, you know, do you want to get into nutrition? And my husband was like data person too. He looked into the data. He's like, um, the most you can make is like not even half the amount you used to make. So <laughs> does that even make sense? And I was like, I know, but I love what I'm learning and all this stuff. And Anyways, long story short, it worked out. Um, I just never went back. So I always thought that I would. And, you know, the thing is, what where I can share so much and not worry about, oh, what are people going to think about me in the public? Or, you know, am I going to upset some influencer or whatever it is? The thing is, I can always go back to my other job. And that's the security I have of like, I'm going to be fully open and honest. And I'm really here to help people. Now I do have to make an, a living income. But other than that, I have nothing to lose, right? So if this doesn't work out, hey, guys, I wrote a book. So at least use that. But I'm going to go back to my corporate world, right? So that's how I feel. And it is so liberating having that. So knowing that I can go back to my old job or my other consulting gigs and knowing that I'll have a job. And so I don't have to be deathly afraid of not making income through this. It's so freeing. And I know I can be more, much more honest to the community. I think that's what makes you so bold as well. You know, you're one of the people that's yeah. known for taking a strong stance against something or for something <laughs> or for us, for the community. You know, you're our warrior that's out there fighting passionately because of how strongly you believe in everything. And I think that shows just for the things that you talked about, the healing you've had, and then also kind of Thank your you. all in mentality that you have with this. 
It's what makes me brave. It makes me feel brave on it too. As so many people really dive into the research just like you did. And that's what pulls us out of it. I think that's what pulls so many of us out of being at the bottom is learning more. And the more that you know, the more, the stronger that you feel and the more you feel like you have that sense of community, you know, the sense of community that you have built with the Carnivore 75 Hard Challenge has been incredible. And so many people now are continuing to do that challenge through the Facebook group uh, and are able to really set some goals for themselves and push themselves. I know you've talked about that through some, a lot of episodes, um, but give us kind of what is, what was your vision with Carnivore 75 Hard when you created that? Before I get into that, one thing I'll just say about what we're talking about with the community is I am naturally organized person and I would never just share something for the sake of sharing it thinking, well, I don't know if this is really true that meets good, but hey, I'm going to share it. And as a quote unquote influencer or as somebody in the community, if you're going to kind of set a standard or be a leader, then you have to lead your people, right? And I'm a person of faith. So, you know, Jesus wasn't somebody that was like, I'm going to be this, you know, grandiose person. He served. And I feel the same way. So I feel like even with my management consulting teams, I always served and it wasn't like, I'm just going to lead. I, I served with it by example and I expected the same level of effort from my, you know, my staff. And so I feel the same way with the community. I would never put out information out there without like certainty, right? Obviously, sometimes I'm going to be wrong. But in general, I put out content that I believe will help. And that's actually evidence based um, to again, to help the community. And this is not just some fluke diet, I came over and I'm like, Oh, my gosh, it worked for me. Um, And so I'm going to just share and hopefully it works for everyone else. Like, I don't believe that I, I really believe in the science of everything in terms of nutrition, that this is truly one of the best diets you could ever be on. But with that said, so with Carnivore 75 Hard, um, I just wanted to make sure that I didn't fall again during the holidays. And that's the real reason I made it. And then I thought, hey, you know, if I'm going to do it, might as well have other people do it. And so, you know, I, you know, I asked you, I DM'd you separately. And I said, hey, do you want to support this? And I didn't really think it'd be that big of a deal. I just thought, you know, maybe 20 people would join us and we'll do it together. Um, I think the motivation came from just wanting a better holiday season and not falling into these crappy foods that then make us feel worse on January 1st. And then we have to create these kind of resolutions. And I think that is a common theme. And I think that's why it blew up, right? So it just made sense where if I said, hey, during the holidays, you can do all these things to make you feel your best on January 1st. Um, I think that was motivating for a lot of people. And I think it really hit home. And I think that's why a lot of people joined. Yeah, it made a big difference for us too. I know that was our first holiday season being able to push through and not cave into a lot of treats and that that built a lot of momentum just from, you know, Chris and I alone, but I know a lot of people as well. Um Yeah, somebody's doing it like two and a half years now. I mean, I share about him like, once in a while. It's amazing. Yeah, literally never stopped since then. That's amazing. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. He has way more grit than I do, but yeah. Me too. Um <laughs> So you and I share this, like I work a corporate job right now, this intense corporate job, which I think is part of the reason understanding that background we've, we've bonded as well. But one of the things that I do in my corporate job is development and um, really digging into growth and development with people. And so there are three specific questions that we ask when we are working on personal development and growth 
in my corporate world. And so I want to ask you those three questions <laughs> today and then we'll kind of wrap up. Um, but okay. the first question is what's working for you? So in your life right now, what's going well? You mean anything or just? Yeah, just in your life, life as Judy, as a mom, as an author, as a car, like all of those things. What do you think is what's what are some things that are going really well for you right now? The core of me having a meat-based diet for nutrition gives me the ability to do then anything else in my life. So I'm not obsessed about what food I'm going to eat. I'm not on this like insulin roller coaster. And then I can be present with my kids. So I'd say by choosing this way to eat, I have a full life and I feel really blessed for that. So I also try to implement a lot of the things I tell the community to do in my books, in my posts, I always say like manage stress. So I'm not on social media a lot. So that's one thing um, that I really appreciate. I don't, you know, I post, I talk a little bit, but then I leave because I think the longer and there's studies on this. I mean, the longer you're on it, the more depressed you'll become. So I think for me, what's going really well is like, I love my family. They are my number one priority and I will do everything and anything for them. And then it's the community. I am an empath. And so if I see people mess with our community and then our community gets all worried, it makes me upset. And it's not even like I'm the mother of everyone, but I get that way. And I've always been kind of like that. Making graphics or information that will support our community is something that really drives me because it even drives my own happiness, right? It fulfills me. And that's that's the whole part of life. And I feel like I've come full circle. A lot of times in my life, I used to get really mad and be like, why, why out of all the addictions did I get addicted to food? When all the other drugs and alcohol and whatever else you could just abstain, but you cannot abstain from food because you will die. And why is it that every single time I put something in my mouth, I have to get tested by my addiction? And I thought it totally sucked, right? And the fact that I've come full circle where I understand now why I went through that struggle and just all these hardships, because now I can serve and help other people that may be going through what I went through. And I, I can completely empathize. And this is why, though, I get really passionate about why carnivore is so good for some people. Um, and then when people go against it, I get upset because it's not the fact that I'm married to carnivore. Like, I'm not dogmatic. I don't care. Right. Um, and like I just said, I eat some plants. But the thing is, it can help so much and it can give you a new chance with life. And if you even take that away from someone just because of your bit of negativity, it's saddening, if anything. And so for me, like it saved my life and it gave me a new chance at life. I get to be really part of my kids, um, be in a happy marriage with my husband. And and I'm so grateful for that. Um, yeah, I just think the fact that our family and friends are healthy and happy, I think there's really not much more that I could be grateful for. Good. Where are you currently getting stuck? So what in your life is just, that's kind of the, interpret that how you will. Where are you getting stuck right now? You know, being an empath, being kind of like the motherly figure. So with my clients, whenever, you know, what, I've never talked about this except for to my husband. So when my clients, like I never know what they're going to tell me unless they've been emailing me continuously. So when they tell me that it's not working or they're having a hard month, like I literally feel so sad and I can't, express that, right? So I have to be the beacon of hope and stuff. But some of it, like some days get hard because, you know, these people have other imbalances and I'm trying to help. But um, like sometimes when they complain about the weight gain or the weight stall, like as we talked about in a previous episode, but 
it's frustrating, right? Because I know that they need to eat enough to start refueling the body. But sometimes, especially for the people that are at normal weight, it may mean that they have to gain weight. But then this diet is advertised as a weight loss diet, right? So then it's like this kind of cognitive dissonance for people. And then how do I balance that? Because I can easily go, yeah, you should only eat X amount of calories. Don't add fat. Don't do this. And I could be the weight loss coach. But it's like marrying that I know they need to heal. But then knowing they're unhappy the whole time in the journey, right? So like, they heal all these other things. But they're not happy they're gaining weight. And as the empath, I see that it's weighing on them. And then that weighs on me. And so that's my struggle with that. Um, I would say that's my biggest struggle right now. Oh, and I think also um, uh, working with individual clients, and I'm trying to make a group, but trying to figure out how do I balance that, right? So if I do a group, how can I give the level of care as I give now, but to a wider audience? That makes sense. That's hard to know how to transition that for sure. Um, and my last question is, so what are you, what are you going to do differently then about that? Or, or those things that you're struggling with, uh, or goals in your, that are you, that you have right now, what is it that you moving forward? Now we end this interview, you move forward in your life as Judy, what are you going to do differently? You know, I'm trying to be more empathetic. Um, so I did my own mineral test. Um, I see imbalances, stress related. So it makes sense. Um, and, and I'm incorporating more, um, you know, trying to go to the gym and all that stuff. So I'm trying to figure out how I can be in their shoes because I've gained weight on carnivore myself. And I'm sure it's maybe I was eating X amount without working out or, you know, things like that. Um, but trying to figure it out in my own life um, to be healthy, but then maybe incorporate some workout, maybe have some days with a little less fat, whatever that is. And then once I see some of the benefits and with like results of the hair mineral, then maybe I can start implementing these with other people. I would be so much happier if I can find this solution. I think most people would. And you know what? You're somebody who gives so much to other people that turning around and trying to take care of yourself also makes things difficult as well. That's a hard transition, I think, for most people who are in your space of taking care of others. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Thanks, Judy, for sharing with us. Uh, I know... A lot of that is not easy to talk about and, and sharing your personal growth, and I appreciate it. I know that our uh, listeners appreciate it. If you guys did listen, appreciate this, please leave a review for us uh, on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to reach more people. Anything else you want to share, Judy, before we end today? I ask the people to just really take care of yourselves because, you know, when you're 60 or 70 or 80 and you're on your deathbed, you'll never care that you were that thin. You will never care. And when you're in the hospital, when things are really serious, weight is never the big thing that you think about. So if meat will give you a chance at better health um, and not being depressed, I think it is more than worth trying. Thank you. You are absolutely, I completely agree. Thanks again for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This will help us reach more people and share real, real talk with our communities. If you know somebody that needs to hear this episode, please make sure you share and tag us on social media. We hope you guys have a great week and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. 
This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.